0: I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us.
1: <laughs> it's probably like getting Great Ten sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean we say it all the time, whether you know there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I <laughs> mean um, we're we're we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays.
0: Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. It was only right after we didn't get to have him on the podcast last week. He was the only uh, Hail Varsity staffer person that was not on the pod last week, or, or regular Hail Varsity person that was not on the pod last week. It was only right to have him on the pod this week. It's Nebraska's bye week. Brandon Vogel is joining us all the way out in Tennessee. Brandon, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. Uh, I enjoyed last week's podcast, even though I couldn't couldn't take part. I was uh, simultaneously nodding my head at times and also shaking my head so just know that's how it was going on my end (laughs)
0: which ones were you which parts were you nodding your head at
1: yeah i think i think i think you know maybe we'll maybe we'll get into that um but with with how that game unfolded um yeah there was there was a right side and a wrong side on that one
0: you're just going to come from off the top rope like right right when we get this started is apparently what's (laughs) going to happen um brandon i want to talk to you first about this ireland trip we can get to the minnesota game in a little bit but i want to talk to you about this ireland trip because when nebraska announced a week or two weeks or whatever it was ago um that their their game against northern illinois was getting moved to 2017 they were going to have this open spot in the schedule you were like okay let's look at uh, Nebraska going overseas. Maybe this Ireland game is a possibility for Nebraska. And that was weeks before anybody even knew that, in fact, Nebraska is going to go play Illinois in Ireland in 2021. I mean, was that was that just a guess on your part, or did you have insider information?
1: Uh, it was it was mostly a guess. I'd heard, like, a couple of crazy rumors, uh, and I was like, no. And then when when the, they moved that game, so they moved the game to Northern Illinois, like Well, that's strange. Like Northern Illinois immediately had a replacement lined up. So obviously they'd been in talks for a while. And then you just start to look at, well, why why move that uh, unless you're planning to do something with it? And kind of started piecing things together, looking at teams that were available, uh, knew that there was one, one of the five games in Ireland scheduled already, maybe Notre Dame for next year. Uh, but that lined up. And uh, the thing I didn't account for was just moving a, a Big Ten game over there. So, kind of cool for Nebraska. I think it'll be I think it'll be a fun time, and I expect uh, expect Husker fans to have a ton of fun with it. So, I'm all for it.
0: I have a, a couple questions I want to ask you on this subject. First, do you like conference games in week one?
1: I do. Um, now, I've never. I don't think. Yeah, Nebraska hasn't played one in the time that I've covered the team, there was, there was a year that they played Oklahoma state to open the season in the big 12 years in the mid two thousands. Um, but it's just, I, I think it'll be good to cover one because you won't have to go through the whole thing of, okay, well, we've, we've spent the entire offseason breaking this thing down and now we're going to get a C team X, but they're playing team Y and team Y is traditionally not good. They're just here for the the paycheck. Like, you avoid all of that. So I, I feel like you have a chance to learn a little bit more from those games. That said, week ones can be can be pretty volatile. Anyway, so it's it's a little bit of a shame that one team gets dealt a a conference loss from a what's what's usually a pretty noisy situation.
0: It 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 might work out well for Nebraska though in the sense that Scott Frost has talked um a lot since he since he got here. About how you grow the most as a program from week one to week two, from from your first game to your second game, and this the way that this schedule. I mean, like when when the game was moved, we looked at the schedule and we we're like, okay, they're not going to be adding any kind of like marquee game to this, at least against a, a really tough team, because like the four weeks after they play Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, and Oklahoma, um, but the way that this sets up is they've got this game in Ireland in week zero. Um, so Bill Moose is happy he gets kind of his his exposure he gets his his marquee slot um, on the on the tv schedule so to speak Um, but Frost gets like you said a conference game to really kind of see where his team is at right in week week zero or the, the first game and then he's got a bye week before they play Buffalo so it it seems like it it could be a really advantageous situation where Nebraska could figure out, okay, here's what we need to work on. Here's what we're, you know, we're not where we thought we were in, you know, positions X, Y, and Z. Now we've got a bye week, and then we've got Buffalo to work on this before we have to go to Oklahoma. It might set up to be a pretty a pretty nice situation. And, oh, by the way, Scott Frost and company are going to get to um, trek around Dublin, and, and I imagine beer will be consumed. <laughs>
1: Probably. Um, I think it's, I think it's kind of comes to territory. Um, You know, I think one thing we can be sure about, like if there was any sort of competitive disadvantage here for, for Nebraska, they would not be doing that. I mean, Scott Frost and staff kind of consider all angles. I think when it comes to, to those things Um, and while going to Ireland to play a football game is cool, no matter what, if it had potential to set you up poorly for the rest of the season that's not something they're they're taking on, and you know Nebraska will get a little bit of experience with this next year. Not going to Ireland, but opening with a conference game. They they start with Purdue in in 2020, so um, have a little bit of, I guess, one run through the the ringer with that, and what what that's like, and and how it sets up what's to come after that. Uh,
0: one of the organizers of this this whole event, this whole thing. John Anthony, CEO of, of Anthony um, Travel, he, he made a, a challenge to um, Husker fans that he wants to see 29,000 fans in Dublin for this game in 2021. And he said that they, they you know, um, I think travel packages or whatever the phrase was that they used for tickets and travel plans and things like that um, opened this past Monday. And, and he said that Nebraska fans set day one record sales for a single event um, which is, you know, not not a surprise, I'm sure, to anybody here. But my initial thought when this came out was like, how many people are actually going to travel to that? Do you think it's going to be an issue, Brandon, to get people there? I know Anthony cited that that 2,000 Notre Dame game that he was at, but <laughs> Dublin is a, is a lot further away than <laughs> South Bend, Indiana.
1: It, it is. Um, I enjoyed during the press conferences kind of facts and figures of the largest peacetime mobilization of Americans to Europe it's always it's always cool when you get to throw in the the only time more Americans have gone to Europe have been actual uh, the, for the theater of war It's like all right now we're now we're talking about stuff um I, I think look I, Husker fans can can no longer surprise me with where they'll show up and, and in what sort of numbers like they're just as reliable as they come for that there'll be all sorts of travel deals for this. There'll be all sorts of, of packages to, to get people over there pretty uh, neat and easily uh, despite the distance. I went to Ireland when I was in, in graduate school. It was kind of my first overseas trip and I was living in Boston at the time. It's actually not a bad flight from, from Boston or New York about six hours. So if you can get there um, you can start looking at getting to Dublin for about 500 bucks typically. That's not
0: bad. If you, if you could, pick one spot in the world uh, to watch a college football game? W- where would you want to watch a college football game?
1: Well, Nebraska's already been there. Um, <laughs> Ireland's awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for that and, and what that could be. Um, after the announcement, I was kind of like, man, I wish they were going to Tokyo. Like That's like my dr- my dream destination and <laughs> place to get to. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but, man, it would have been nice if I was uh, old enough to to cover the team back in 1993. Because then I'd be like, well, here's your chance to go to Tokyo because Nebraska went there, which is still one of the mo- more bizarre things, I think, that has happened in Nebraska football history. Um, but yeah, that'd be my pick.
0: I had no idea that that was a thing until people were, I, I think Tom Chattel and Mike Babcock were talking about it at the press conference to announce the Sireland thing and they're like, oh yeah, Nebraska went to Tokyo. And I was like, hold up, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. Um, let's talk about Minnesota now. Um, the sad, The sad part of the podcast. So like I mentioned a week ago, Greg Smith and I, we, we did the, the four-person pod with Greg Smith, Jacob Padilla, Aaron Sorensen, and I. And the way we were kind of seated at the table, um, like Jacob Padilla was directly in front of me. Greg Smith was on the other side of the table to my right. Aaron Sorensen was immediately to my right. And Aaron and Jacob were aligned in thinking that, okay, Nebraska's not very good. Greg and I were aligned in thinking that not right now, But they have the potential to be. And this could be the game, this Minnesota game, could be the game where they start to figure some things out offensively and they start to click a little bit. Because Minnesota's not that good. That was what I thought. I assume you, while listening to it, were siding more with Aaron and Jacob when talking about this Minnesota team and what we've seen from Nebraska through the first, at that point, six weeks and what we could see from Nebraska over the back half. I did not see thirty four seven coming. Um, we'll just start there. Did Did you see this coming?
1: No, not to this degree. Um, so I, I I did think that you and Greg were perhaps undervaluing Minnesota a little bit. Um, you know, yeah, there were the the close losses uh, or close wins. Sorry uh, to start the season and then kind of big win over Illinois, but so what? Um, and but you, get, you kind of get to give credit to, to Minnesota for, for what it was doing and you looked at them. Statistically, they were doing some good things. Point is, Nebraska is not 27 points worse than Minnesota. I mean, they are for now, and, and they will remain that way for until next year when the two teams play at the end of the year. But realistically, in any sort of kind of power-ranking sense, like that that outcome was, was worse than it should have been. So it was um, – I expected Minnesota to win. They were playing better football. Um, Nebraska, I I did not expect Nebraska to look as sort of, can we get to a bi-week-ish as they did. Um, That was a a surprise to me. And the defense kind of just not being able to to handle what Minnesota wanted to do and being able to knock it off of, of what it wanted to do was a surprise. So the loss, the loss wasn't shocking. The degree to which they lost, because it was utter and complete, uh, was shocking.
0: Yeah, it was. It was a little jarring, I think, um, to me watching it because two of the two. I mean, two of the main issues. One being Nebraska was was physically beat badly, and you know after two years, basically with Zach Duval, like you, you wouldn't expect that to be the case and and nebraska had like scott frost talked about it on on tuesday nebraska had problems fitting properly on defense like a lot of the stuff was just execution and that's been a lot of the issue all season long is just execution and getting aligned properly or fitting the the, fitting your gap properly or on offense like blocking the right guy or lining up like it's it's it kind of came to a head in that Minnesota game for me where it's like these problems shouldn't exist this far into year two right
1: yeah yeah it's it's sort of a good news bad news situation I think for for the rest of 2019 so you know you come out of post-game press conference at Minnesota thinking well like this is Iowa part two Nebraska got manhandled they just were physically outmatched and and what do you do about that right now? Well, you can't do anything about that right now. Um, you know, that's a, an off-season, multiple-year thing to just kind of get to the level you think you need to be at to compete against these Big Ten teams. Now, the, the kind of execution parts of it are, are probably a little bit harder. So, you know, you're not coaching Nebraska's linebackers to, to misfit. You're not coaching the offensive line to, to make some of the mistakes it has. So why are they happening? Harder to, to kind of assess and, and backtrack and, and track the error there, whatever it may be. But it is something, particularly with a bi-week to do it, where, where you might be able to, to make some improvements there and, and kind of strip things down and say, and I think that's what this week probably will, will have been uh, when we, we, we get to see the team again next week, is really stripping it down to kind of the simplest parts of what do we do well? What do we know we can execute? And what gives us the best best chance over the next five games that's that's Nebraska season at this
0: point Did, did you like what you saw from Noah vedro I mean very uh, very limited um and it's hard to draw a bunch of conclusions from from you know his play because a lot of it was impacted by probably the worst offensive line performance of the season from Nebraska but, but did you like um you know we could isolate the the first drive where Noah had them moving a, a little bit and he was involved um pretty heavily both or, or in the run game as well as um throwing the ball did you like what you saw from him
1: I did um you know I think I think I saw enough to to feel like if if the other pieces of the offensive puzzle and then of course the defensive puzzle are up to the standard you need to win a big 10 football game he's he's more than capable of, of helping you win that as a quarterback um you know he they, they kept things pretty manageable for him early on and he made kind of the easy but good choice uh on, on some of those those passing plays and they, they went right down the field and and despite the fact that you know it was only 14 nothing for for a long time there this game felt out of reach at, at the point that it was 14 nothing. Nebraska had already been to, two, to Minnesota's half of the field three times and came up empty. And they were just like, with well, the way this is going, this 14-0 feels like 35 nothing. So I think that kind of hampered a little bit of what we're able to take from that first Noah Vedral start. But for the little limited sample size we saw when this thing was kind of competitive still, uh, I thought he played pretty well.
0: Am I wrong for being kind of excited about nebraska minnesota black friday games this feels like like everybody keeps talking about wanting a natural rival and they don't feel like iowa is a natural rival and nebraska can't beat wisconsin so that's not a rivalry yet this feels like it might have something to it
1: it could i think it's interesting from the you know fleck like was one year earlier but you had to Power five or G five coaches who, who won really big at their, their schools and and moved into the big 10. I think it's, it's kind of fun from that perspective. Um, The proximity is, is nice. Um, You know, Minneapolis and, and Iowa city from, from Lincoln, not that big of a difference. So I always like good close regional rivalries. Problem is, is, you know, Minnesota, a program in the kind of first half of, of the 20th century wasn't over that stretch. And I think that's, that's kind of been some of the hesitation with Iowa too is, you know, Iowa's handled Nebraska decisively uh, in recent years, but you kind of look at all time and they're a tier below kind of what Nebraska, Oklahoma, those sorts of programs have been. And I, and I do think that, that hampers that rivalry a little bit to, to acknowledge that it exists is to, Take, take a step back, I guess, for, for lack of a better term.
0: Okay. So that's a wonderful segue into um, the thing that I've been probably the most curious about over the last however many weeks. So I, I don't think it was last week's pod. It might've been the, the week before where Greg Smith and I were having a conversation about Nebraska's standing in the conference in terms of like, if you, if you tiered teams in the big 10, like where would Nebraska fall? And I, I was pretty adamant that Nebraska, as a program, as a football program, was ahead of Minnesota. Like, Nebraska, all things equal, both teams fully healthy, Nebraska should beat Minnesota. Where they are right now, they should beat Minnesota. And I was pretty adamant, adamant about that a couple weeks ago. I feel kind of shaky on that now. Like, if, if you tiered the conference, Brandon, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan, if you want to throw them up there, like those top teams, the the second tier with a team like Iowa, with a team like Michigan State, is Nebraska in that? Is Minnesota in that? Which one is which school is closer to being there?
1: Yeah, so you know, say we take the last four or five years, um, I think that tier one is is Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State under James Franklin, um, with what they've, how they've kind of started and looked this season and and probably Michigan, um, even though the, the Harbaugh limitation seems to be there again, this season, um, they're, they're, they're kind of at the bottom of that tier one tier two. Then you're looking at, I think Michigan state and Iowa for sure. Um, might be it in sort of that second tier Northwestern, maybe in there um, they're just I don't know so put Nebraska and Minnesota kind of both in that tier three they, they haven't been as consistent as, as even Iowa and Michigan State recently um, much less sort of your tier one teams Northwestern's kind of a the wild card in there they're, they're straddling the line probably between between tier two and tier three for me so that's kind of the breakdown off the top of my head
0: you still seem a little bit more optimistic about Nebraska than I thought you were going to be. Like the like and, and we talked um kind of leaving the the press conference and, and the post game availability area. I mean, we you and I talked walking back and um I was pretty like I was pretty down on things and down on the, on the outlook. You seem maybe a, a little bit more confident in Nebraska's ability um over the the, the last 5 games of the season than I thought you were. I'm going to set the over under at one and a half for games that Nebraska will be favored in to close out this season. They got five games left. It's Indiana. It's at Purdue. Wisconsin at home. At Maryland. Iowa at home. Over under at at one and a half games that Nebraska will be favored in throughout uh, that stretch. You taking the over? or You taking the under?
1: Uh, I'll take the over, but don't feel great about it. I think I think Nebraska will be a very small favorite over Indiana because it's at home. So maybe a two-and-a-half-point favorite somewhere around there. Um, the wild card really for me is can they be favored on the road at Purdue? And a lot of that might have to do with how, how Purdue plays against Iowa this week. Because um, Purdue found a way to win last week. It's still a home game for them. So right now, I don't know if Nebraska's favored in that game. So can they kind of pick that one up? I don't think Maryland's going to fall off quite enough to the point where Nebraska would be, be favored in that game. And where things stand now, they're not favors over Wisconsin or Iowa. So it's, I'll I'll take two, um, but I would be shocked if it's more than two.
0: I'm kind of terrified of that Wisconsin game a little bit, just because of um, optics and the way that it has the potential to look. Minnesota just ran for 322 yards on Nebraska's defense and Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in the country bar none I'm kind of a a little bit worried about that game are you are you hesitant about um I guess hesitant's not the right word but are are you a little uneasy about what might happen against Wisconsin this year
1: yeah (laughs) the way Minnesota was able to do it um was certainly didn't bode well for that game um because Wisconsin's kind of like, oh, we do this every day and have been for two decades, so watch this. Um, So I I think that potential is is there. Um, I also think it kind of sets up an opportunity for Nebraska to be like, okay, this got you against Minnesota. Um, Here, you'll have lived with that, dealt with that, tried to look at it and figure out what you can learn with it. Uh, You'll also be coming off your second bye for that game. So can you be better? Um, can you hold up against a, a very physical, well, the, probably the most physical run game in, in the Big Ten? Um, can you be right in your assignments, and, and how are you going to do it? Um, you mentioned you know, a couple of minutes ago that I might sound more optimistic than, than I thought that, or than you expected with Nebraska. I think that Minnesota loss, as painful as it was, kind of offers Nebraska an opportunity, particularly with the bye week, to to reset. Like there are no more illusions of, of what they are at this point. Like they're four and three. They probably could be three and four. Um, They're four and three with a negative scoring differential. So that, that right there tells you that they're, they're probably fortunate to have won four games. So how do they come out of this bye week knowing that now? Because all of the off season stuff, all of the questions about, Hey, we thought this was better, would be better. Why isn't it better? Like, It's gone. Scott Frost said three or four weeks ago, you have to embrace what you are. Um, If that didn't happen this week, I'll be shocked because I think at this point, we're all kind of in the same spot of, hey, Nebraska is about as good as it was at the end of last year. And you can look at any number of power rankings and tell you that that's the case. Um, A lot of people are talking about they might be worse. Um, And we'll see when they get to the season's end. But it was a a kind of zeroing of the scale, I think, uh, up in Minneapolis.
0: You you kind of wrote on that or foreshadowed that a little bit with your post Northwestern column and and talking about what was next for this team and Greg Smith called that garbage. You you, <laughs> you care to you care to respond? <laughs>
1: um, that's fine. Greg and I had a discussion about that the, the Sunday after I, <laughs> I I I wrote it and like the only thing I'm certain about is that most of the time I'm wrong um like really that's not just uh false modesty or that's kind of how i feel about most things like this is what i think but what do i know um but looking at that northwestern game that was the game so i think you know we 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 talked about this like i think what maybe you and greg expected going into the minnesota game i expected that to happen in north at against northwestern and maybe that was unreasonable, but it was kind of a response game. You're coming off Ohio state. You got humble, like show up, play well, handle your business. Now Northwestern traditionally makes that very tough on, on teams. So, so credit to them. But when you got a little bit inside the numbers and you're like, man, the offense just wasn't able to do anything. The defense held up, but against probably the worst power five offense, in the country. If if Rutgers isn't, Northwestern probably is right now. Um, and it just wasn't, it just wasn't a strong result. So Minnesota didn't surprise me as much. I was more in that boat with, with Northwestern, which was a win for Nebraska. And, and the optics of that are are usually great when you come out after a win and be like, hey, this wasn't very good, people. Um, people don't don't typically want to hear that.
0: I need you to acknowledge that you made a boat reference in talking about Minnesota and Northwestern.
1: Oh, I did. I I I, yeah, I that. just
0: need you to be aware of aware of it. You, you said I, I'm in that boat. Okay. So, PJ Fleck is happy. Just keep rowing. Just yep. keep rowing. It, it's it's there's a there's something that Jacob said uh, that that has been ringing in my head all week long, and that's you know we keep expecting Nebraska to figure it out. We keep expecting Nebraska to have that kind of aha moment or the 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 game where they score 45 points. And it looks a lot better than it did when they scored 44 against Northern Illinois. But the longer it goes without having that game, the less and less likely that we're actually going to get that. And I think that it is, is really important to kind of keep in mind when you're talking about, like, you expected, you know, this to happen against Northwestern, and then it didn't happen. And Greg and I were like, oh, no, it'll happen against Minnesota, and then it didn't happen. So, like, at this point, I'm like, okay, is it going to happen which probably means it's going to happen against Indiana. So, uh, we'll we'll see. the The thing that I think is so interesting is these last five games. Nebraska has a bunch of freshmen that still have either still have, you know, one or two or three games to work with under the new redshirt rule, or they have guys who have all four games to work with under the redshirt rule. Nick Henrich hasn't played yet this season. Jackson Hanna hasn't played yet this season. Um, some of the non Bryce Benhart offensive linemen haven't played that. Played yet this season. Bryce Benhart, I think, still has two games maybe left to go um, while while maintaining his redshirt. It'll be fascinating to see what Nebraska does with these last five games because, you know, Frost said on Tuesday of this week that that he's looking at anybody and everybody to try to come in and help. And they already made one offensive line change in the game against Minnesota. I think they realistically could have made, you know, another one or two. Um, It'll be, I think. Frost will be having to walk a fine line with wanting to get freshmen and wanting those guys to get experience, while also knowing that hey, you still have to win two football games to get to a bowl. <laughs> like, there, I think he's in a, I think he's in an interesting spot. Do you think we're at a point where where they can just say, screw it, we're going to throw a bunch of freshmen out there and just play some guys to see what we have, or mix things up because the guys that we currently have in jobs aren't getting them done? Or do you think there's sort of like a like a reluctance to do that because you're like, okay, we need the guys that are going to give us the best best chance to win football games and the best chance to be uh, or to not make young freshmen or rookie mistakes so that we can get those two wins.
1: Yeah. I think so far to this point, um, with the red shirts decisions this year, even last year, you know, and, and this makes sense. Like they've been pretty cautious about, Hey, we're not going to, to, put the future at risk for something that might help us now. And now, like you mentioned, they're kind of in the opposite spot. Like things have not gone to plan. So now you're like, well, what's it hurt to make a change? What's it hurt to try out a a guy like Ben Hart on the offensive line? I think the Indiana game will tell us a lot. So if you you get that one at home and, and you're looking at going to at Purdue, if you can get both of those, then, then you kind of remove that, hey, we need to get to six part of it um, because you're already there. And then I think – I mean, overall, broader part of this discussion, I think Nebraska needs to to look at at some freshmen here over these last four games, particularly on the, the offensive line, just because you fast-forward this thing. I mean, with the way the line has played so far this year, you get to 2020 – Everybody's back. Okay, that's great, but is it um, based on, on on what we've seen so far in 2019? And, and if Bryce Benhart has really never played in a game, um, why? Like, why not get him that experience? Ethan Piper, a guy they seem to be pretty high on, why not why not give him a look? Um, so I, I do expect you'll see those linebackers. Another position I would put in that group. Linebacker play has not been as strong as other parts of the defense so where is somebody like jackson Hanna? I, I think you'll start to see some of those guys show up um a lot of it depends on on how the games go but really the best thing you can do long term is like see what those guys can do against wisconsin and iowa like you know i don't know <laughs> a lot depends on on what happens against indiana and purdue i guess but if, if you're start, really starting to look towards the future and um, in, in what this roster kind of looks like going into 2020, those guys need experience in real games, and, and a lot of them don't have it yet.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Let's say Nebraska beats Indiana and beats Purdue. So they're at six wins. They're eligible for a bowl game. You go into a bye week, and you got Wisconsin on the other side of it. Do you really think that Nebraska is going to try to, you know, maybe throw Bryce Benhart out against that defense? Or do you think Frost is going to care more about how it looks or trying to to get a signature win in year two like do, do you do you think that he's gonna have that forward thinking of an approach to be like no we need to get a guy like Bryce Benhart or we need to get a guy like Nick Henrich real snaps against real defenses and in, in real game situations so that we can prepare for next year because this is already a lost year in terms of what we wanted or do you think he will care about look if we can beat Wisconsin it makes all of the, all of the crap that happened in the first month and a half of the season not hurt as much.
1: Yeah. No, he would have the latter approach. Um, you know, at that point, Nebraska would still be sitting at, at two conference losses. Um, Wisconsin's got Ohio state in two weeks. So you beat Wisconsin. Uh, you have the tiebreaker over the Badgers head to head, and you're both sitting at two losses. So you have to go that way. And even if that weren't the case, even if they went 0-2 against Indiana and Purdue, like, I think it's too hard to be that forward-thinking. Um, I would love it if, if that were the case. Uh, I, I do think that's to the long-term betterment of uh, of the program. But you just can't get away with it as a coach. You, you can't be like, "Yep, um, I'm willing to play a true freshman because I want him to know what Big Ten football is like because it's going to make us better 18 games down the road." Like, it just doesn't it just doesn't work. You know, and it's why we're seeing kind of the controversy over Dana Holgerson and what's happening at Houston right now with, with all of their, the red shirts that they're taking, they're, they're basically saying, yep, this is a year zero for us. We've got some guys who are willing to take a red shirt and we're going to, we're going to have them red shirt and it'll help us down the road. That's tough for your fans that are showing up right now. So I don't think you can realistically do it. Um, but I I do think it's it's what Nebraska needs right now. So maybe it was too idealistic on my part.
0: That's tanking. Like that's there's there's a different end goal, but that's tanking at the college level. Yeah, that would be. I would be really curious to see who does that first. It's. I feel like it would happen at some point. Right, like it's bound to happen at some point. I'm really curious who would do it first. You would have to have. the the long-term security that you're going to be able to make it through a transitional phase like that. You would need like a situation like what Frost has now, where you've got a seven-year contract and a huge buyout.
1: Yes. I mean, I think it sort of is happening in Houston right now. I I think it was Roger Sherman for the ringer this week, put it in those terms specifically, He's like college football's first tanking experiment isn't going well. The, The headline was, was something along those lines and he was talking about Houston, you know, Derek, Derek King, the quarterback, who all conference level quarterback, after four games decided to take a redshirt, and you know it prompted some people to say, "Oh, he's going to transfer." Um, but then some other guys followed, and it's it's become an interesting thing. And Dana Holgerson, in year one there, has that security to basically say, "Well, this year's probably lost um, in terms of us doing anything special." So we're already on to the next one. And that doesn't happen at the college level, but this redshirt rule may have, may have made it a possibility.
0: Brandon, do you consider this year for Nebraska a lost year?
1: No, not yet. Um, I think there's it's, – it's been – so it's, it, it's kind of not the best-case scenario that, that some people, I think, even if they weren't willing to go out and say they, they thought it could happen, kind of hoped it would. Um, and, and that's fine. All fan bases are that way. Um, you want the best possible scenario, but it's, it's been interesting how kind of, okay, what you can do has shifted. So after the Ohio state loss, it was all right, when you're next four and and had they done that your season's like really kind of back to what, what should have been a, a best case scenario you're playing for the division in November. Um, That didn't happen. Not only did not happen, but you didn't play well against Northwestern and then you got mauled by Minnesota. So, so now it's kind of, for me at least, it's, can you get to seven and five? Because we talked, you know, I, I'm not saying more than Nebraska's favorite in more than two games, so that'd be getting at least one that you shouldn't. Um, and, and I think a lot of it, when we get to the end of the year, will be judged on, not whether they win or lose, but how Nebraska looks against Wisconsin and Iowa, because we know that those are the teams that Nebraska has to, has to catch in the West Division primarily. Um, they're also teams whose style is is really opposed to, to what Nebraska does. And it brings up the toughness questions, all of those things. Can you kind of win against those classic Big Ten elite execution teams? And Nebraska hasn't really shown that it can yet.
0: It'll be an interesting last five weeks of the season. It'll be, it'll be a fascinating next couple of weeks before we get to to that second bye week. There, there's This could get um, significantly better over the next two, three weeks, or it could... Uh, get a lot more interesting. So we will see. Brandon, thanks for joining the podcast and talking. Yeah, thank you. That's it for this week. Make sure you find, follow, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen to it. Um, just because there is no Nebraska football game this weekend, that does not mean we will not be putting new content up on hillvarsity.com. So keep reading hillvarsity.com all throughout the weekend, all throughout the next week. Uh, we'll get you ready for Indiana. Jacob Biddle will have coverage on volleyball, Hoops is getting close to being back. We'll start having coverage on both men's and women's hoops. So just keep reading hillvarsity.com and we'll talk to you guys next week.